Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Good Grief. My name is Dr. Christine Malone, and in this podcast, we talk about trauma, tragedy, and survival. In each episode, I will interview someone that has gone through grief in some way, and we will discuss the impact it has had on their life. By sharing these stories, we hope that others won't feel alone should they be going through similar situations. Enjoy. Okay, listeners, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. My guest is going to tell us um, some stories about losses that she's incurred uh, in her family life. So guest, if you would introduce yourself and just tell us a bit about kind of some of the grief processes you've been through. Hi, I'm Melissa. Um, I'm a blogger, a podcaster, a mom, a wife, um, daughter, and sister. I have lost a lot. I think my first experiences with loss, and I don't think I told you this, Christine, is when 1983, I lost both my grandmothers in the same year. I lost one in February, and then the other one died in August. So, and wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, my first experiences with grief. And I think I was in eighth grade going into ninth grade. So that was very first experience with that were they expected were they sick before or was it surprised um the first one um my mom's mom Mm -hmm. was surprised she passed away in her sleep but my second one we were surprised that she was even alive because this woman had like she all her systems were failing but no she was hanging on because she wanted to see us and she was one of the toughest people i know she's actually one of my role models in life because she never let anything get her down um the word spitfire comes to mind when i think about people like that it's like mm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah do she was actually legally blind and she lived by herself look at her wow that's crazy that's something to be admired by yeah then you get into you know adult life and you have more losses so tell us a bit about that yes and going in um 28 28 years ago actually um yesterday was her birthday um i lost my best friend, my sister, she, there was four of us growing up. Um, I always say that my dad and mom had two sets of kids. One set was my mom's kids and one set was my dad's kids, even though we all had the same parents because my dad was in the military and he was a Marine. And so he was gone when my older two sisters were born. And then when my sister Karen and I were born, um, he was home. So my mom tended to navigate toward the older two And my dad was with us doing everything with us and always present with us. So 28 years ago in May, um, which is really weird that right around the time that her anniversary is when I had my last daughter. So it's really cool. Um, But she passed away. Um, She got the diagnosis of ovarian cancer plus everything. By the time they got the diagnosis, tumors were all uh, up down her right side of her body. But then four weeks, she was gone literally that bad and I just grieved her so much because not only was she my best friend she was the one that we would talk about how we were treated differently um, by our mom than our dad and we would talk about how one sister would get everything and the other sisters you know we would kind of be like on the outside because we were the younger ones and I just a lot of my family did not like her husband but he was all, they had been married for 10 years and he was like my brother. So I chose to keep a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I still talk to him now, actually. We actually texted yesterday and talked about me going down because I went down to her the cemetery and put flowers on her grave for her birthday. But, you know, that is, that's hard because you're not only losing the relationship with your sister, your best friend, the one you shared rooms with, girl, girlhood secrets, everything. 
And then you lose also the one, because I didn't have any brothers, you'd lost a brother as well. And it was just really hard. And I, on top of all that, I was pregnant with my oldest daughter at the time. And that throws you into a whole new loop because you have hormones. And I was actually um, put in the hospital for a day because I was dehydrated. And I was having cramps and everything else with her. And they honestly didn't know what was going on. I mean, it was really scary for me because I really honestly thought because they hit a lot people, you know, family hides things from each other. Yes, that I honestly thought that she was going to pull through. I didn't know it was as bad as it was until after the funeral. And so it just, to honor her, um, six months after, not, not six, excuse me, it wasn't six. It was like four months after she died. Um, I gave birth to my oldest daughter. Her middle name is Karen. Um, that was, and that's the written, I'm going to go off on a tangent for a minute because I hate the way I'm just going to say this. I hate the way that Karen, the name Karen is perceived. Oh, in society. I, about <laughs> I hate that because I look at my Karen, my sister, and she was the most sweetest, the most genuine, the one, you know, she was just the most awesome person in the world, no matter what. I mean, I knew I, I could go to her and tell anything to her and there would be no judgment. Yeah. It would be just love. And yeah, she'd get mad if I do something or I'd get mad at her, but we'd get over it quick. Right, right. But, yeah. Now, I have, I have a really close relationship with my oldest my old sister. As a matter of fact, she lives with me um, and my husband. Um, and we grew up, I mean, we're two and a half years apart. So we grew up, you know, same parents, same same life, everything. Um, even though we're very, very different people, um, mm -hmm. we're very close. And when I am hearing your story about your sister, I'm thinking, you know, um, if I lost my sister, how I would feel. Because I, I, I always think she's always there. She's, she's the one that's a little older than me. She's always there for me. She's always been the one to protect me as the little sister and so on and so forth and so you know losing that would be um traumatic um plus which i mean thinking in your situation she was obviously very young um you know you probably had ideas in your head about what your life was going to be like as you both grew older and into, into like more adulthood or later mm -hmm. adulthood or whatever and that loss you know not being there i mean the birth of your child for example and those kinds of things are just so difficult to you know navigate when you're in you know, losing someone that you didn't expect to lose. That is so true. And I mean, I look now and I, I go, um, I just wish she could have met my daughters. I honestly wish, because I think they would have hit it off because they all had the same quirky sense of humor that she had. They all, I mean, it was really funny because when my oldest daughter was born, she had the same dimple that my sister oh, had. Yeah. And it was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that, that she had the same dimple. And you, you, you know, it's just, and even looking at baby pictures, she kind of looks like my sister. So I just look at her and I just, you know, I know Maddie was unexpected for us to have, but I can, I honestly think that God, I'm a lot of faith for me. God knew what he was doing and he sent Maddie to us to help us ease through this because at the same time, you know, my parents were also losing their daughter and my other sister, the one that's still alive, she is, um, she was pregnant at the time too with my, with my nephew. So my parents got their first grandson and granddaughter within several mm -hmm. months after my sister passed. So I honestly think God was preparing and allowing that those blessings to occur, to make a way for my parents to get through, because yeah. I don't think my parents could have gotten through that without yeah. looking forward to those grandkids i i hear that i hear that so then after your sister um was it your dad that passed next is that is that how i'm reading that 
Yes. Um, my sister passed in 28 years ago. Like I said, she was 27 years old. So, oh. and it was a long, long time before grief experienced, um, we experienced grief again. And it was in 2014, actually. Um, my dad was diagnosed in 1998 from, to, uh, with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma due to exposure to Agent Orange in Vietnam, which <laughs> I hate that so much. I hear so many, we have lost so many amazing people due to that. And, and people think, oh, Vietnam happened years ago. No, we're still getting the effects of that now. But um, in 2014, his, his cancer took a turn for the worse. And it be, turned into the blood, the simple lymphatic leukemia. And it was so hard because my dad was my hero. He was the person that... I knew if I needed something, he was right there in my corner, right there with me. He would always make time for us no matter what. I mean, he was always the one that when I was growing up, he would go to my softball games. I would go hang out with him. At one point in time, he would drive an oil truck and I would go on the route with him. I would stay up late and eat extra dinners when he was coming in and when he came a cop later on, you know, just all these things I did with my dad, all these memories. And so when seeing my dad in that hospice because he ended up going into hospice um lying in that bed just killed me because my dad was a big man he was you think marine and he had these bulldog jaws and he was just like really larger than life character and just sitting there and just wasting away it just it broke my heart more than anything else in the world because that wasn't my dad my dad was the person that was always out in the community, always helping everybody else, always making sure he even during the time that he was fighting non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, my mom had knee replacement surgery and my mom went into rehab and my dad said, I have to go get chemo. I'm going to I want you guys to stay with your mom and I'll go get chemo by myself. That's how much caring. That's how caring my dad was. It, it's hard when they, you know, when, when, when we have someone we love who, who has a disease that causes them to waste away like that. It's very hard. I, I, I know what you're talking about. Um, and, and I also know that there's a, there are several evils in our world. Um, Ancient Orange falls on that list for me too. I have two uncles that were exposed in Vietnam as well. So, and are dealing with health issues um, right now. So I, I, I get that. It makes you kind of angry. And so, you know, those, what I would call preventable deaths, right? It's like they're preventable illnesses, I guess is how I'd say that is, you know, if if only this hadn't happened, this wouldn't happen kind of thing are kind of things that sort of mm -hmm. run through my mind, especially mm -hmm. things like that. So, so then I know there's only, you've had like two more very recent losses with another sister and your mom. Is that right? Yes. My, we lost my sister last year um, at the end of May. And hers was very sudden. She just didn't wake up one morning. And my mom went to go wake her up because she was living with my mom. And um, my mom went to wake her up and she was gone. She, you know, she just wasn't, wasn't there. And so I don't have the greatest relationship with my mom, but I try to say, okay, I know you're grieving Sherry. Let me kind of step in and kind of, you know, come over and we started going over Thursday nights and having dinner with her because my husband worked on Thursdays and just trying to be there for her. And then just recently, my mom passed away in August. She fell and broke her hip, went in the hospital. She got out of the hospital, went to rehab and 
she was talking to the the nurse and the nurse turned around and looked at her and she took her last breath and all we could think of is because she was on blood thinners that maybe there wasn't the same prescription or the same you know they may have been given her the generic one instead of whatever she was supposed to be on and that dosage that little bitty thing could have caused a blood clot because literally she was gone like that and they nothing to revive for her yeah yeah, that's well. Uh, let's talk a bit about different types of grief and different types of mourning. So, um, uh, before we started recording, I shared with you my my thoughts that you know the the level of grief that we experience um, is directly related to how much we cared about the thing we lost or the person we lost. So, um, how did you notice that those differences in, in all these losses you've had with regard to, you know, one just left me in my bed, you know. For the weekend, I couldn't get up, and, and one was like, "Well, you know, I'm going to, you know, whatever. It's okay, you know, those kinds of things." So, how did that go for for you through these processes? Yesterday, like I said, yesterday was Karen's birthday, and I think this was the first time after 28 years that I was able to go to her grave and not cry. And so I still grieve her. Yeah, I still mourn her. My dad. Oh my gosh, I was a basket case with my dad. I mean, literally. It took, his death was also very unusual because when we, he died in January of 2015. And when we went to bury him, they hadn't opened up the part of the cemetery where he was going to be buried yet. So he had to be stored in a mausoleum. Mm -hmm. And then in April, we had to go back through and go through the whole grieving process again to actually put him in the ground. They had a private ceremony for the family. So any type of grieving that healing that we may have done from January to April, it was tore right back open. And when that we had to put him in the ground and to this day, I still like, I have mementos of him all over the place in my office here. Um, I just went down to Newburn. and I'm in, from North Carolina and they had this little, I forget what it's called, but they play, it's plays the Marine Corps hymn. And oh, so, okay. so I have it with me now so every once in a while I can just play it to remember him by because he was he was such a big larger than life character Sherry I miss my talks with her that's when the older sister that died um because toward the end of her life she saw me not as a little sister she saw me as someone who actually I I guess as a little sister you don't get a lot of credit for actually having a brain sometimes and um, I, that's like, that's a simple way to say it for people to understand because, oh, you're just, you know, you're just, you uh, yeah, oh yeah, just kind of like pat you on the head. But she realized that I did have one because I would respond to her and not reactionary, but I would actually think out what I was going to say before I said it and not really, whereas my other sister is very reactionary, the one that's still alive. Um, my mom, I actually felt guilt. And I'd mentioned this to you before we came on the podcast um, is that I was sitting there with my youngest daughter who's 21 and I told her I said you know I feel is it wrong for me not to mourn her like I mourned my dad and she said no mama because you had a different relationship with Grampy than you had Nana and she said with Grampy you knew that you were loved and there was no strings with my mom I knew she loved me but I knew there were strings attached that if I didn't do what she wanted, she would kind of like 
back up or get mad and angry. And that judgment was always there. And I just like, I don't have that judgment anymore on my shoulders. It's just gone. It's just like, it was almost like a relief. And I hate to say that because I loved my mom. She was my mom. She gave me life. But it's like that relief on my shoulders of saying, I don't have to live under the fear of judgment or the fear of being yelled at or the fear of of being chosen, not chosen, whereas the other sister would be chosen and I wouldn't be chosen for something. I don't have to live with that anymore. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand that. My, my mother was um, not uh, a stellar mother, if we should have <laughs> been being very diplomatic and saying it that way. Um, and when she passed, I didn't have a whole lot of grief process at all because I really wasn't, I wasn't close with her. Um, I And again, that sense of, of relief I get. I remember when caller ID first became available and I would see on my caller ID that it was my mother calling. I would often let her go to voicemail because I think I really don't even want to talk to her tonight. So um, yeah. So when, when she was gone, I was like, I, don't I feel you. Talk. Yeah. I don't have to deal with this person. You know, she would tell me things like, well, you think you're better than me or what? I'm just like, I don't even, I don't even want to talk to you. So yeah, that, that sense of judgment and just anger and negativity. It's like, I, I just, I don't, I don't miss much about that at all. So yeah, no, I, I totally get what you're saying there. And I think, um, especially with, with, uh, um, you know, younger people dying, I mean, the sisters both obviously, um, well before their time, um, tend to be more, um, I don't know, more, more traumatic for those left behind because it's like, mm-hmm. well, so unfair. I mean, the one sister at 27, my gosh, that's that you didn't, you aren't even an adult yet at 27 and, and, and that kind of stuff. And that, you know, being, um, robbed if you will of of a of a full life is is something to grief as well as as the people left behind so um yeah all very different types of grief so i know that you are writing a book um right now so can you tell us a bit about the book the title of it and kind of what 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 the what what you're putting into it um it's actually the way i'm processing my mom's death um it's called the emptiness within um, my search for finding unconditional love. And basically it's just telling the story of how, you know, number one, I don't, I want to put this out real fast is I don't fault my mom because my mom was raised in a generation where you didn't talk, you know, the children were seen, not heard. Right. And so, and I was brought up like that as well, but I chose when my girls were born that I wanted a relationship with my girls that I didn't have with my mom. I made that my top priority and I wanted the relationship with my core family, my husband and my girls to be the number one thing on top of any above anybody else. Right. And I learned that from my mom and dad, as far as the relationship between the, the, the immediate family, the relationship being the top priority. Um, But basically it's my journey from childhood on to you know, like share my experience of how the reason why I didn't mourn as much as I did my dad, because there are two sides of every story. And I never felt like I had, while my mom was alive, out of respect for her, I never had, I never spoke my truth. And I never felt like my truth was worthy of anything. And now I'm like, my truth is going to be told and people's eyes are going to be open because they're going to realize that I'm not the person that I was painted out to be. I wasn't the person that was uncaring. I was more or less holding them at arm's length because I didn't want to get hurt anymore. Right. I did that for my own mental health. Yeah. 
No, that sounds great. So who do you think the audience is for your book when you release it? What what, what demographic, what kind of person would, would, would gain something from reading it? Honestly, anybody that has, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, has struggled with being a relationship with a parent or a significant other. Um, It's going to be Christian based, obviously Christian readers, um, Mm -hmm. because my strength, my unconditional love was finding God. And and when I turned 50, I was like, nobody's going to tell me what to do. It's like the, the movie what's the movie dirty dancing it's like yeah. nobody's putting baby in the corner nobody's oh, putting the son in the corner anymore i'm actually going to go out i'm going to do what i'm saying i'm going to do and i'm going to start living my life and it's so funny that yesterday when my daughter and i were going to coming back from wilmington we talked about how i had changed in the last couple of years you know over the years my i've changed i used to be like my mom but I've worked really hard to not be like my mom with my girls. And she said, yeah, mama, you have worked. I said, yeah, but there's not times when I don't go back to that mode. And she's like, that's true, but we're all human. But mm-hmm. you make a point to say, okay, I validate your feelings. Whenever the girls come and tell me something, I'm like, yeah, I don't recall it happening, but if I did do this, I'm sorry. And saying I'm sorry is probably the biggest thing you could say. It's the hardest thing, but the biggest thing you can say to your kids. Absolutely. And I never got that from my mom. Yeah. So you you broke the cycle of, you know, not having that um, dismissive or non-personal relationship or whatever it mm-hmm. is. I seriously admire that because I that's I have strived to do that throughout my life as a parent as well, to just give my children a different reality than what I grew yeah. up with. So I get that. Um, tell us a little bit about your blog. So you have a blog, um, chats from the blog cabin. So what that's kind of- the podcast. That's the podcast. Oh, the podcast. Well, so what is it you cover in the in your podcast? Uh, I basically anybody that wants to come in and if you want to come on, I would love to have you on. It's anybody that wants to come on and tell their stories because I feel like my story has not been told. Mm-hmm. And so I want to give other people voices. I mean, I've had people come on that we talk about. Um being still, we talk about plant-based life. It's basically a jack of all trades. It's like I tell, say my blog is the jack of all trades blog as well. It's anybody that wants to come on and tell a story, even if I don't believe Ah. or I don't, um, yeah, someone may come on with a different religion and I don't believe, but I'm still gleaning something from them. I'm listening to them. I'm giving them that space to tell their story because I wasn't given that space myself. Yeah, no. So I guess I mix those up. So the blog is Adventures of Frugal Mom. So tell us a bit about that. Okay, that one started. That was where my create my line for creativity came in. Um, it started in 2011. I was actually working as a school teacher, and one of my friends who was also a school teacher said, "Oh, well, let's let's you know how to do this." And it started out as a coupons and deals blog, but there's so much competition in that era. So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to start doing lifestyle and. I started doing that and the girls got involved with it. And every once in a while, my girls pop up on it, you know, and it's just a way for me to be able to do things with the family. We didn't have a lot, but we were able to do stuff together. And now it's more evolved now that they're older. It's more me writing about just other stuff, household tips and things like that and crafts and DIYs and stuff like that. So, but yeah, it was just a way for me to earn a little bit of money so that my girls can go and do things with us. And we had experiences and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds good. It sounds great. I, I, I'm looking forward to looking up your 
uh, both your podcasts and your blog, and I definitely want to read that book. So, um, so if if someone was listening to this podcast and they've experienced grief and maybe uh, especially that sense of relief um, that you get, like you talk about with you know the judgment and so on and so forth, you know what what sort of advice would you give? Because I I know when for myself when my mother passed, um, I didn't have a lot of reaction, and I've had a lot of people when I share that with them just be shocked. Like I'm a bad person. And I, I am, I, I will argue that because I don't think I'm a bad person. Um, but I mean, what, what would you say to someone, to someone who got me listening in that same spot? It's okay. It's okay to feel what you're feeling. I mean, if people have to know that no matter what your feelings are valid, that you, even if, I mean, yeah, I cried at my mom's funeral. Don't get me wrong. I did cry, but it's not like a sense of loss. Like I can drive by her house now and, and really walk in and go, okay, you know, she's not here, but, you know, but then I also get the peace knowing that my mom and my dad were married for 54 years mm. and now she's back with my dad. And I know my dad is happy that she's with him. So that gives, I think that more than anything gives me peace. And I'm thinking about, knowing that she finally got to hug my sister again after 28 years of her being gone. Yeah. I, you know, to me, it was just like, even though she said she wasn't ready to go, honestly, I think she was. I just think she was just biding her time until it came. Yeah. No, I, I get that. I, I, I share with you that uh, my middle son passed away at four and a half. And um, I like to say, I look forward to the day when I could hug him and, and, and hear him and, and, and and see him not not disabled. So I I totally get that. I completely get that. So, mm -hmm. um, is there anything else you'd like to share before we end our podcast? Um, yes. There's something that helped me a lot. Um, since I'm faith based, I do I did pick out a verse that I kind of clung to, to, and it was Hebrews six nineteen. It's like basically summarized through all my storms, the anchor holes, meaning the anchor was Jesus. But I also was fixated on cardinals. Anytime I saw a cardinal outside, the cardinals, I love them to see you. And I, I have huge, like cardinals are really big um, part of who I am now. I mean, I have little cardinals all over the place. In Europe, I have a big old Christmas tree all the time. It's just my way of saying, okay, I'm putting up and it reminded me of them so they're around the house so and when I see one in the wild flying I'm like oh, which one was that because I know normally when I saw two together I knew it was my dad and my sister together so yeah that's awesome I can relate to that too for me it's dragonflies dragonflies bring me to thinking about the people I've lost too I always think that somehow they're nearer to me if they show themselves mm -hmm. the dragonfly so yeah no I, I get that I, I totally get that so when this episode airs, we're definitely going to include links to your blog and your podcast. Um, and then we can update it when you get your book published to make sure that your book's in there too. Because I think that'll be, it sounds like a really interesting and beneficial book to read for those of us who um, maybe live with a parent who wasn't, I don't know, the parent we wanted them to be, I guess. I don't, I'm not a phrase that, but um, yeah. I, and, and as a person who didn't have a parent that I yeah. would, my my mother was not who I would like to have her mother. I, I would be interested in, in in reading that and kind of you know sort of sharing your story, um, you know, and how it relates to mine. And, you know, it's it's those things that really make you feel like okay, I'm not alone in this world. There's other people who've mm -hmm. 
have been through this thing or who felt the same thing or had the same kind of relationship or whatever it might be. So it doesn't make me weird. <laughs> it's yeah. just, it just means I'm not the same as some other people, but I saw something in common with people who, you know, like you were who write about it and I can read that. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate the time that you put into that because I know uh, having written my own um, autobiography, there was a lot of emotions that came up for me in that writing that I did not even realize I hadn't worked through. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and it's been many years for some of those stories that are in there. So um, I would also say it was very healing for me to do that. It was very like, get this off your chest and say these things. And, and as you mentioned before, speak your truth. And that was really, um, really a, really a very strong uh, driver for me. And, and when I hear people talk about wanting to write those kinds of things, I'm like, let me tell you what, it's going to feel so good to write that thing. Even, yeah. if, even if you never publish it, it's going to be so good to write that thing. So, yeah. uh, so good for you for doing that. So Yes. Um, well, thank you again, Melissa, so much for being on my podcast. I have enjoyed very much talking to you and meeting you and hearing about your family. Um, and I wish you all happiness. And I wish you happiness as well, Christine. Thank you for listening to this episode of Good Grief. To hear more about my personal story, please pick up a copy of my book, The Day I Became the Spider Killer, a memoir of trauma, tragedy, and survival, available in paperback, Kindle, and Audible via Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other online book retailers.